This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So first of all, good evening. Um, I just came, I spoke already four times today. So um, this is number five, Baruch Hashem. Um, I just can't explain to you, being that I landed this morning from America, how lucky everybody here is. You might say, then why don't you move here? Um, one of the girls asked me, why not I leave Schmutzaretz? Um, and the truth is that you, you just, you, you can't understand because you get used to where you live. I know that everyone here was nice and effish to be here in Eretz Yisrael, but just just coming out of a, a Gaisha airport and just landing and hearing Ivrit and, and, and walking in Gula today, and everyone's Jewish. There wasn't one non-Jew walking Gula today. And um, just the whole Eretz Yisrael it's it's so amazing. It's so special. It's it's fascinating. It's fascinating when you when you're coming from when you're coming from America. You're so lucky. You, you know, I was walking in, and I was telling the rabbi that I was with that you know all these little kids, all the Yerushalmis, they they don't even know what Christmas is. They don't know if they saw Santa Claus, they would think he's a rabbi that just doesn't know how to get dressed. You know, with a white beard. They they don't they don't ha- they don't know. Well, in America, you just walk on Avenue J in Brooklyn and the bus stops have these pictures. It's so different. Oh, yes, of course, you could find not such good stuff here if you're looking for it. But if you're really not looking for it, to have um, to have the Makam HaMikdash, Mitzvah Shem, I hope to be there tomorrow morning, very early in the morning, to have the Makam HaMikdash, to have the Kaisel, where the Gemara says the only place in the world that the Shekhinah never leaves, never ever leaves, Shekhinah Shriyabah, it's ten minutes. It's twenty minutes. Well, from here a little bit longer, but it's here. Where are we going in America? Where am I going? I know Shemar Shabbos and Borough Park. It's a nice shul. But where am I going? Rockefeller Center. Like where are you going? Over here, you pick yourself up and you're standing where the Shechina is. The Gemara says the Shechina never ever leaves the Kaisel. There's a famous story. I forgot the tzaddik who it was. And he came back to the Ari Akadosh, and he said that he was. Um, and that he was um, by the Kosel, and he's no, no, I don't like mics. And he saw, and he saw, um, he saw a woman dressed in black, and she was going back and forth and back and forth. And he came back to the Rizal, and he said to the Rizal, "Who's this woman?" And the Rizal said, "That you saw the Shechina, you saw the Shechina dressed in black, as long as there's a korban." So, it's amazing. You're lucky. Enjoy it. Use it. Potential. It, it's it's unbelievable. You want to go to Marasamach Pela? Avraham Avinu, you're learning about it. Yitzhak Yaakov, all the different Abbas. You want to go to Kevarachal. You get used to it. I mean, Lahavdil Elef Alfei Abdullahs. The last time I went to the Empire State Building in New York when I was a little teeny kid. Everybody comes from all over the world to see the Empire State Building. I drive by 34th. I, I hate it. The biggest traffic. It's right on that block. Who goes to the Empire State? Who goes to the UN? Who goes there? Like, who's interested? Going to the UN, we have museums, art, the MoMA, the, the natural history. I mean, look what New York is, all this stuff. Get used to it, it doesn't mean anything. I think one of the things, and I spoke to the girls about it today, is that never get used to it. Never get used to Eretz Yisrael. It has to be as exciting as the first day you got here. And, and it, it's just something very, 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 very special. One of the things I wrote a safer on is Hakar Satov. Hakar Satov, everyone thinks, means being thankful, um, gratifying. No. Hakara, that would say taiv. Hakara satov means recognizing the good. Not the good, that someone did me something good, but recognizing the good. So, after a while, you get used to the good. 
You get used to the good, you get used to something, you don't recognize it anymore. The godless of Akar Satoyev is to recognize that you're able to see, to recognize that you're able to hear, and all these different things. If Chatz V'Sholom, you didn't have that, then you would recognize what it means to have that. So, so I just wanted to, I'm not giving anyone Musa here, because you're probably as excited as Eretz as I am, but I'm talking to you from a, a guy who just landed. It's like, wow, crazy. It's amazing. I went to Gula today. It was amazing. I dove in this little teeny shul where you can fit like, I don't know, 10 people. And the guy, the rabbi that was with me who hasn't been there in a long time, he went to change money. And he's like, you're going to take your money out here in the open? To give to the guy? Like, people behind, like, you're going to get, there's someone's going to knock you over the head. I'm like, are you kidding me? All the money changers are open. It's just it's, 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 what? Yeah, worry. You have to look over your shoulder. I'm like, in Gula? No, you don't have to look over your shoulder. So just, I'm coming in with a little breath of fresh air because, wow. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to America. I hope Mashiach will be here. But when I get off that airplane, I walk in Kennedy. Uh, it's disgusting. It's so different. Yes, we have Arabs here. But, but we have Jews and the Lushan is Hebrew and the signs are in Hebrew. And you get used to signs being in Hebrew. But in America, everything's, everything's in English. And it's, Lashon HaKadosh is a, is, a, is a very holy... It brings down, I saw in a safe from the Kava Yashar, that Shavuos night, Shavuos night is such a holy night that you're only supposed to speak Lashon HaKadosh. You're not supposed to speak any other language Shavuos night. Lashon HaKadosh has such a, a great meaning. I, I'm just giving this over to you because I'm just like really excited. Just excited being here. It's just like, it's like wow. I said, when you, when, you want to get recharge, when you want to recharge your phone, where do you look for Where do you look for an outlet? We look for an outlet. You always look in the wall for an outlet, right? So I go to the wall for my outlet. That's my outlet. Tomorrow morning, just plug in. Three o'clock, nobody's there yet. Just plug in, put your head on the wall. I know you're here. The Shechina, Einu Gizazmi, doesn't leave here. I said, it's me and you. Let's talk. It's like, it's the Kaisal. It's the Beis HaMikdash. The hope of Klai Yisrael. Guys, girls, the hope of Klai Yisrael. And you Kipper, the hope of... We were all there. Our, our, our hope, our prayers, our forgiveness. We stood on that ground. You guys, I was on the inside. But okay, you guys were on McCoyan. You guys were like, that's where you stood. Everything was happening there. You saw the Shechina, you saw the Kabbalah, you saw the Kohen Gadol. You heard Hashem's name, the 72-letter name. It's like, you get the chills just standing there. And then people are telling me, I asked some girls today in seminary, I said, so how many times did you go to Kursal this year? Twice. Like, what? Twice? Are you kidding me? Twice? Based on Migdash? You're not going to get that close when Mashiach comes. We're not going to get that close because the whole hour is going to be like the Kurdish Kedoshim. You're not going to get near that spot. Only Kahanim and Bechayra, maybe. Chaparayim. Grab it. I'm going like Bohem, but I wasn't a big Roshim Bechay guy until about 10 years ago. I'm a Kaisal I'm a Kayan. We're unemployed for 2,000 years. I'm waiting there. <laughs> 2,000 years, I'm unemployed. New, open up already. Let's go. What's happening? But I went 10 years ago. Someone got me to go. I'm a client. I don't go to Kfarim. We, we're, my father was very not into going to anyone. Just going to the Kursal and Davening. He said, really smart Jewish businessmen go wholesale. We never go to the, the guys in between. He says, the Shekhinah's over there. Why would, you, you know, why would you go to anyone? He really felt it. She said, why would you go to anyone else? The Shekhinah's over here. Why would I go somewhere else? He didn't stand. But Kahanim, we don't go into Rav Shemba'i My Rebbe, Ragamliel, has a Masuri. He does go into Rav Shemba'i Chayim. Whatever it is. I went up there. 
I, I didn't, you know, I heard all the stories, you know, modern people, they shecht animals, which I haven't seen yet in 10 years. I was looking for it, but I didn't see it. And barbecues, and it's crazy, and it's wild, and, and everyone's looking at the bad stuff in Clydesville. And I'm thinking to myself, people are schlepping and sweating, they're sleeping on the floor, just to be there the day that desire, that, that desire came down to the world, and to be there with Shem And I went up there, and I just, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a watcher, I'm a thinker, I like to watch what's going on, and I like to think about what I saw. And I'm looking at Clydesville, Hasidim, and, and, and not Hasidim, and Svardim, and religious people, and people are totally not religious, and, and Breslov, and Lubavitch, and the Lubavitch we was talking on a big screen, and the whole, it's like, it's a whole scene. And that's what it's going to be like when Mashiach comes. Wait, a whole scene? You think everyone's always going to become Litvish, or Hasidish, or Svardi, or something like that? That's Klyisrael. It's going to be a whole scene like that. Hundreds of thousands of Jews coming to Shalayim. And Rav Shimon Bayechai, interesting. Rav Shimon Bayechai had two sides to him. One side, he came out of the cave and he saw somebody working on a field, and he could not understand how a person could be in this world and not be Kulei Taira, not be learning the whole time. It says there was a fire around the cave. He was learning. He wasn't even dressed. He was in sand up to his neck. He says after the years he came out, he had holes in his skin. Right. And he, he came, he, I don't understand, like, so he looked at him, him and his son, and, and he burnt the guy up. He became a galavon, he became a galatom, died on the spot. He said, better get back into the cave, this is not, this is not going to work. Right? Comes out of the cave the second time, and he sees the Jew running for Shabbos with Hadassim. He says, ooh, this is preparing for Shabbos, this is amazing. And didn't burn anybody up, whatever it was. And then it says, I heard today from my Rebbe, that he was involved in the whole story of the Gemara. There's a whole story of the Gemara. Rabbi Gamliel lost his Nesias because he had a yeshiva. We only took the best Bachram. And there was a whole thing with Rabbi Yeshua, and he embarrassed Rabbi Yeshua. He made Rabbi Yeshua come with his stick and his bag on Yom Kippur. And then he lost his, because he did that, he embarrassed him in front of everyone. He lost his whole thing, and then... Yeshiva closed down and they opened up Yeshiva to everybody. And that day, they put in 800 chairs or more than 800 chairs and they opened up to everyone. Whoever wants to come, doesn't matter. You know how to learn. You don't know how to learn. You have an iPhone. You don't have an iPhone. It didn't make a difference. They let everybody in. And he says that, that, that was Rav Shimon Baichai that started that whole thing. Because he said, you can't have a Yeshiva where you only learn, we only let the good boys in. You have to let everybody in. So he, on one side, he was Kaddish Kedashim. He brought down the Zaya. On the other side, he was like, everybody has the potential to do tshuva. And the, the celebration of Lag Ba'imer, the celebration of Rav Shem is preparation for the Torah, which is, which is a few days later after Lag Ba'imer, right? 16, day, 16 days later, is that everyone has the potential Everybody. The secret of the Torah can be learned by every single person. And the whole svira that we have is about building your potential. You start off with chesed, right? You start off with chesed chesed, which means you're pretty much at the bottom of the pile. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Pesach night, decided to get engaged to us. He fell in love with us, Bechipazon. So he did us a chesed. And then for the next 49 days, it's like the guy who proposed to the girl and said, will you marry me? And um, sort of did him a chesed. He said yes. Right? Hashem did us a chesed. And then, 
very nice. You get the ring, you get the bracelet, you get the ring. But now it's like, okay, how are, we gonna, how are you going to support me? And where are we going to live? And how are we going to pay for the wedding? And where are we going to make the wedding? And all the work happens. It's very nice to say, okay, will you marry me? Yes, now what? So the whole 49 days to get to the marriage, which is Shavuos, which is Malchus Malchus, is different combinations. Said, Hoy, Teferas, Netzach, all different kinds of combinations. Working, 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 working to this wedding that's coming up in Mitzvah Hashem. And then you finally get to Malchus Malchus. So what I spoke about to the girls today, which I wasn't going to speak here, but I changed after I spoke, because I saw how important it was. It's potential. It's a terrible word. It's a great word, but for me it was the worst word of my life. Because every, every report card I got since first grade, the teacher wrote in the back, Zechai Wallstein has amazing potential, but he doesn't live up to it. And I was like, just write that I have no potential and I'm a dummy, and my parents won't bother me. But every time they got the report card, you see, you could do it and you're not doing it. That's the worst thing you could say. But potential is amazing. I'm in the middle of writing a book, which I hope, which I, a safer, which I think will be an absolute game saver for the whole world. And um, it's it's a, a, a safer, a lesson a day. I wrote one on Haikar Sato. Now we're writing a much bigger one. A lesson a day on Kivit of Aim. Because nobody has any idea what that mitzvah is. Nobody has any idea what the mitzvah of Kivit of Aim is. And Hashem is so strict about that mitzvah, it's not normal. Kivit of the Aim is in the first five mitzvahs that Hashem gave, and the first five commandments are Ben Adam Lamakon. So Hashem says that Kivit of the Aim has nothing to do with Ben Adam Lamakon, it has nothing to do with your parents. It has to do with me. Because the second five, no stealing, no adultery, no jealousy, that's all Ben Adam Adam between us. But Kivit of the Aim is in the first five with a Hashem I am Hashem. No other gods. Don't say my name in vain. Shabbos! Kivit of Aim. Shabbos and Kivit of Aim right next to each other. What's going on here? Kivit of Aim, I'm good to my parents. It's been Omer Chavero. No, says Hashem. There's a person who can't appreciate their parents, who gave birth to them, definitely cannot appreciate Hashem. You're not going to get to the Nech Hashem you don't have Kivit of Aim. Now let me tell you, a lot of people are not going to be happy about this, Sefer. Because what it says in there, what people think they keep me keeping of aim. Well, my mother looked at me the wrong way. She got involved in this. She got involved in that. Oh, the Shulchan Aruch is very strong on Kibbut of aim. And I still told the girls today, the first, the third halacha in Kibbut of aim, Hilchas Kibbut of aim, Shulchan Aruch says, if you're the Rosh Kahal, you're the president, the rabbi, the head guy, you're giving a share, and your parents walk in, and they spit in your face in front of everyone, and then they rip your clothing, and they slap you. Right? So you all know you can't hit them back, right? That's not what it says. You cannot show them an angry face. You can't even show them an angry face. Now, you don't have to sit there and take abuse. If you know your mother's coming to slap, you get out of there. Don't take abuse. No one has to take abuse. If, you know, I have girls in seminary that they're, they, they call their parents and all their parents do is criticize them and then it takes them a whole Shabbos and a whole week just to calm down. Don't call your parents. Know how lucky you have to call your parents. But if you call your parents and they say something to you, you cannot ever answer. Never. That's what Shulchan Aruch says. So how can you do that? They came in, they slapped me. Uh, ripped my clothing, spit in my face. Like what? So Shulchan Aruch says, think about the fear of God at that moment. Because normally, 
you'd have to react. No, no, no. So the question is, why? If they take your money and throw it into the ocean, all your money, throw it into the ocean, they owe you the money, they owe you the money, they have to pay you the money, you can take it to Beza, but they, you can't say anything to them. So, where did this come from? So the basis of it is Akarsa type. Now, a lot of girls say to me, Rabbi, what's my Akarsa type? That they brought me into the world? I should thank them, they brought me into the world. I was abused as a kid. I'm in the most pain of any person physically and emotionally and mentally. Rabbi, I'd rather not be in the world. You're telling me I have a curse of type to them. I don't want to be here. Now why should I have a curse of type to them? If the whole reason is they brought me to the world, but I'm having a terrible time in the world, so according to that, I, should, I, I don't have to have given up aim. Good question. It's more than that. Hakaras Hatov means not thank you. Hakaras Hatov means to be able to recognize the good. Now, if something is good, do I have to tell you to recognize the good? If it's good, you don't have to recognize the good, it's good. It seems to be that Hakaras Hatov is when something is not good, being able to look into it and recognize that there is good. So, I told the girls the following. The one thing your parents gave you, which is bigger than life, which is life, no matter how miserable a person's life is, is they gave you something called potential. Potential is life. That's why time, I talk about it all the time. As long as you're alive, you have time. Time equals potential. Potential equals life. But Rabbi, I'm suffering. I have a miserable marriage. I'm in pain. I'm not physically okay. I'd rather not be here. If it wasn't halach in the Torah that you can't leave, I would be out of here. The answer is, you're, you, that's how you feel, that's how you feel. But, as long as you're alive, you have the potential to make someone smile. You have the potential to help someone across the street. You have the potential to create, to protect, to nurture. You have crazy potential. Sometimes, even when you're not willing, I, I, I had this girl who's in a very, very, very bad place. And she was in a psych ward. She wanted out. Normal, normal time in the psych ward was seven to ten days. She was there seven weeks. Seven weeks. Not a rehab. A psych ward in New York. I didn't know her. I came to see a different kid. And then I met her when she was there. Why did they let her out? Because they won't let you out of a psych ward if you plan to kill yourself. You have to have a plan. It's called an exit strategy. And her exit strategy is the minute I walk out of this hospital... I'm going into the middle of Broadway, and I'm done. So they couldn't let her out. So I sat with her. It was a very, very tough thing because she was abused and felt that she'll never get married. She was a chassidish girl, and she felt she would never get married. So she said that since I'm not going to get married, I'm not going to have children. And she was brought up that a woman is here to prove to have children. If I'm not going to have children, if I leave the world, Hashem will put another girl because there's always a replacement, and that girl will have children. So what? So I'm not. I, I don't want to be here anymore. That's what she said. Okay. I said, let me ask you something. We're both standing on Avenue J, Rabbi Wallerstein and you. We're talking. There's a woman on the other side of the street. She's walking with a little three or four year old kid, and the kid lets go of his mother and runs into the street. And there's a bus coming down Avenue J. Mama is bearing down on her. And you see it, and I see it. 
I said, you're going to jump to save that kid. I'm going to think, can I make it? Can I not make it? Is the bus going to hit me? You, you don't want to live anyway. So you're going to jump and save that kid. If, if you don't save it, you don't save it. If you do save it, you do save it. You have more potential of saving a kid in the middle of the street that a bus is running down than I do. Because I'm going to think about it, and it's going to be too late. And you're not going to think about it, you're going to save that kid. Now, when you save that kid, you're going to save the mother, because the mother will never, will never give up on herself. She should, should be totally, that's my fault. The husband won't talk to her anymore. Her mother and father will say you're a murderer. She'll be finished for life. She won't be able to give the other kids attention. The whole family is lost. No, you just did. You saved a wife, a mother, a family, the kid. who's going to have children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Whilst they would have stood there, eh, maybe, I don't know. And you would have saved them. You have more potential than me because of what happened to you. Next day, we were out. Out of there. But Hashem, she's good. She's great. She's so much better. She's in a different place, totally. I explained to her that because of what she went through, because she doesn't value her life so much, she has a value to save someone else much more than me because she's not thinking about herself at all. And I am. Is the ability to recognize that in my pain and what I'm going through, there's something good that could come out of it. Takar Satoyev. Yosef HaTzadik. In a dungeon. In the worst place. The worst place in the world. Finished. How is his parents going to ever, how is his father and brother ever going to hear about him? They put him in a dungeon, right? Because of Asia's Potiphar. He's in an Egyptian dungeon. It's over. Finito. No one's ever going to know that he's there. And he sees two Egyptians, and he says to them, why do you look depressed today? Why do you care why they look depressed today? you got your own problems. He realized, there's two people, they need to smile. He said, let me help you. Because he asked that question, they told him the dream. He translates the dream. Paro has a dream. Needs someone to translate the dream. Yosef translates the dream. Finds out that the food is going to be starvation. It's not going to be... Save the whole world... Because he saved seven years of food. Saved the whole world. Why? Because when he was in his darkest moment, he cared about two Egyptians. Why do you look so bad today? Why do you look depressed? Who in this room cannot ask that question? When they see someone depressed. Why do you look depressed? Rabbi, what's that going to change the world? I'm going to ask somebody and make them smile. You know, you have all these teachers that tell you chesed. Because chesed is you go in the street and you make someone smile. You know, today kids are real. You know, when I learned that, I was like, wow. It's amazing. Kids are really like, so she's going to smile, and 10 seconds later, she's going to start crying again. Like, I'm not going to walk her home. I'm not going to sit and become her therapist. The answer is, so many stories we hear where someone is going to hurt themselves, and then someone said, hi, how are you? What's your name? I'm like, wow, somebody asked me. It's a sign from God that I'm not supposed to do this. I hear these stories over and over and over. Just saying, hello, how are you? And there's nobody that doesn't have that kayak. No one that doesn't have that ability. Which brings me to Rus. You know I was going to get to Rus somehow with this. Brings me to Rus and Boaz. And I talk about this all the time. First of all, I was in a girls' school today. And, um, of course, one of the subjects is Shiduchim. That's a, it was a girls' seminary. You talk about Shiduchim. You know, everybody's worried. Everyone's worried. Everyone's in a rush because the Shidduch boogie monster is going to get me. I'm not going to find my Shidduch. I'm going to be 30. I'm going to be 40. I'm going to be 60. If I don't get married at 19, I'm going to be 60. There's nothing to talk about. Everybody's worried about Shidduchim. So, I said, I want to tell you girls a story about a girl that I know very well. She decided she wants to marry a Gadol Hadar. 
She decided, I want to marry a girl out there. All right, girl, you want to marry a girl out there? See your resume. You can't just marry a girl out there. What a miserable, I have never seen such a bad resume in my life. Like, you don't even have a chance. Number one, she was a guy. That ain't happening. I am not reading you a shidduch if you're not a Jew. Not to a galador, not to any Jew. She was a guy. On top of that, even if she said, Rabbi Wallenstein, I want to be a ger, there's no way, first of all, I'd let her be a ger, and second of all, it wouldn't help. Because her father is the Pope. What? Rabbi Wallenstein, the Pope has children, he's not married, right? And third of all, she lives in the boondocks where there's not even one guy to find. And she got him. She got the Galandar. She got the main man on Shavuos. Tzipora lived in Midjah. She was a guy. Her father was Yisro, who was the head of all the priests in the whole world. Number one in Abayi in the whole world. And on top of that, there was no Jews. They were all in Mitzrayim. There was no Jews in Midjah. She decided she wants to marry Galadar. Because takes Moshe Rabbeinu all the way from Ethiopia. He actually went from Mitzrayim to Ethiopia. He was the king. Brings him to the water. He ends up saving them. She tells her father, there's an Ishmitzri, which should have worked, right? She didn't say he was Jewish. Father said, oh my gosh, if Paro finds out that we're hiding the guy who ran away from Mitzrayim, he's going to kill us and everybody in Midian. Throw him into, threw him into a dungeon without any food, he'll be dead in a week. Sporo, who really wanted Moshe Rabbeinu, secretly, the major says, either to Machleika, seven years or 13 years, fed him every single day. She came to her father after a long time, and she said, you know that Mitzri guy that, was, that saved me? I really want to marry him. He said, he's dead. She said, could I go check the dungeon and see? He said, yes. And he was alive. Of course he was alive. She fed him every single day. It's a nice, interesting story, by the way. She fed him every single day. Because you don't have to have kibbutz of when you when, when it's a parent, by the way. What are the three halachas? Is by kibbutz of aim, there's no halacha of who you should marry or not. If your parents say you can't marry him, there's no din. And they say, kibbutz of aim, they try to pull that. Shulchan Aruch says there's no kibbutz of aim by three things. Marriage, if you want to go learn somewhere that, they, that your mother and father are a little bit nervous about you being there, but your Rebbe is there and you feel you can learn better, there's no kibbutz of aim. And if your parents tell you, I don't want you talking to this family, we don't get along with them, there's no kibbutz of aim. And of course, to do an Avera. But one of the things is kibbutz of aim. And Yisra said, you're not marrying him. And she didn't listen. And she fed him. And she brought him home. And she said, miracle. Look at him. He's a miracle. 13 years he didn't eat. He's still alive. His father said, okay, but there's still one more thing. He has to pull the stick out of the, out of the rock, which he did. They got married. So I said to the girls, I said, What's the percent that Sipora from Midian, the daughter of Kohen Midian, would marry Moshe Rabbeinu? And not only that, in the end she saved his life because the snake swallowed him up, a python, swallowed him all the way to his waist and he was dying. And she killed the snake and saved the two kids and gave them a brismila. So on top of that, not only did she marry him, but she saved his life. Even more was Rus. And the reason I, I, feel, I feel, there's many reasons we read Rus. One, she was a ger, she was Merkabal Torah. So what? So that's why you should read Rus. So was Yisro. I'll give you a hundred people that we gave him. That, she was a ger, okay. Her name is Rus, which equals 606, right? 
She had seven mitzvahs Noach, so she accepted 606 mitzvahs when she became a Giyayres, and that's her name? Beautiful, that's why we read Rus. So my kasha on that is, what happens if her name was like Malka? The reason you read Rus is because her name happens to be Rus, and it's equal to 606? That can't be the reason. If she's a Giyayres, she's a Giyayres. Because her name, right? Rus with hey with Hashem, equals Torah. There's a lot of plays on, on the... On, but what's the reason we read Rus? To teach us that the Torah was given to every Jew. IQ of 50, IQ of 95, IQ of 165, with a good memory, without a bad... A Yetzirah, not a yet. Every Jew! Give me Makabal the Torah. Rus came from the worst place that any person could come from. There's no place worse than where Rus came from. She came from Moab. Moab came from Lot and his daughter, who went up into a mountain, thought the world was destroyed, looked out, everything was on fire, they thought the world was destroyed, and they said, we're two girls and a father, and there's no one left in the world. And if we die, the world's gone. Ramesh Feinstein writes a whole tshuva on this. So the older one got her father drunk, was with her father, became pregnant, had a baby, and named him Moav. Me'avi. This kid? You know who got me pregnant? You know who this kid's from? Incest. My father. Everybody asks. It's bad enough you did it. Name your kid? He goes to school and they're like, oh, that's the guy. Me'avi. His grandfather is his father. That's weird. Right? His mother is his, her, his grandmother and his mother. Whatever. It gets worse than that when you start doing uncles and aunts. Ramesha Feinstein. He writes a whole tshuva. There was, there was a whole story that there was a man, you can look in the tshuva, where there was a man in his, when he was in Europe and he was the Rav, that used to say very bad things about the daughters of Lot and what they did. And Ramesha Feinstein, he was very, very sick and his tongue was swollen that he couldn't breathe. And they call, he called Ramesha Feinstein for like vidu or whatever it is. And Ramesh Feinstein said to him, when you leave this world, the daughters of, of Lot are waiting for you, for all the Lush and Hara that you said about them. Because you know why she called this child Moab? Because she didn't want another immaculate conception. She didn't want a religion saying that a girl went up into a cave and she got pregnant from God. So Ramesh writes this. She didn't want a Christianity religion to start. So she said, listen everybody, this kid... No God came, Immaculate Conception, Mary, and all those stories. May of thee. And I'm like she said, and you made fun of her, and you will pay the prices. It's in, he writes it in one of his tubers. So that's where Moab came from. You understand? From the worst place possible. And not only did they come from there, but Moab didn't have a Korsatayv. When we left Mitzrayim, we asked them for food, and they said no. And on top of that, they sent down their girls to be with our men, and 24,000 Jewish men died in a plague because of the women of Moab. So they were immoral, and they were ingrates. They had no appreciation for anything. And the Torah says, we're not allowed to marry, we're not allowed to marry into our nation. What would you think would be the first reason? Because they're immoral. They, they killed 24,000 men. No. Terror says you can't marry, they can't marry into us because they didn't give us food and water because they were ingrates. And we, in, in the Jewish DNA, are not allowed to have 
Kofi Toiv. We're not allowed to be part of a person who doesn't appreciate. Secondly, immorality. So Rus and Arpa marry Jewish kids and they have no children. And they die. Their husbands die. And then Elimelech dies. And then Naomi says to her two daughter-in-laws, there's no reason for us to live, to live out of Eretz Yisrael anymore. So you two, they were princesses. Their father, their father was the king of Moab. They were princesses. Okay, you married, you know, there's nothing left, and I'm not going to have any more children. Go home. And I want to read you, because this is my point, really. I'm, I'm just getting to this point the whole night. I want to read you, which is very important for all of us, what happens. So she says the following. Matoma, the first time. Matoma Seha, she tells her two daughter-in-laws, Rus and Arpa, Shaivna Isha Ima, go back home. To your mother's house. Hashem Imachem, God will be with you. Because you did chesed, whatever that chesed is. She benches all of them. She kissed them. And they started crying. They loved Naomi. They started crying. They both said, Arpa and Rose said to Naomi, We're going back with you. We're going to become Jews. We're going to become Gerim. We're going back to your nation. But Tomanami, a second time. No, show the Benasai. Go home. Lama Talachi Imi. What are you going out? What are you going with me? I'm not going to have any more children. Shoivna again. Go home. Kizachati, I'm old. But Tizena Kailo, they both cried again. But Tibchena Oid, and they cried more. But Tishak Arpa Lachamaisa. Arpa kissed her mother in law, which is, which is the reason just to read this Rus altogether on Shavuos. But she kissed her mother in law. Come on. Right? Now the mother-in-law kept saying, go home. But that she kissed her mother-in-law. That's huge. It's just a mother-in-law joke. Because I see people are getting a little tired. Um, so, the Rus, Dafka by. And Rus was glued to her. Dafka comes through a devet. Rus was glued to her. What happened that night? Zok the Medrash. Medrash says, Arpa left. Rus held on. That night, when Arpa left, she slept with a hundred men and a dog. It's a medrash. She dropped so low, she was going, I'm going with you to your nation. I'm becoming a gear. Right? Okay, I'm going to leave. I love you, crying the whole bit. She left. She fell to the lowest place. A hundred men, it says, and a dog. And that night, she got pregnant. She got pregnant with Gullius, the giant. And because... She held on the first time to Naomi and she cried. Her reward was that she would give birth to a giant who no man in the world would be able to kill. That was Goliath, except one man. The one that didn't let go, which was the child of Rus, which was David HaMelech. Goliath had no idea that David was David HaMelech. And when David HaMelech came against Goliath with a sword and everything else, and David had a stick, you know what, you know what Goliath said to him? said something very weird. He said, what do you think I am? A dog? Says Rashi. Well, what kind of statement was that? He said, you're trying to make fun that I, come, I came from the dog that night? That's what Goliath was saying. That's what you're trying to do? You're trying to show everyone that I came from the dog? So you come at me with a stick? That's how far she fell. But Rus, Dafka boy, Rus held on. Ladies and gentlemen, I see this in my 40 years of Chinuch.
the ones that hold on for the extra second are successful. The ones who can't hold on and the ones who let go lose everything. There are girls that are in 10th grade together, best friends, doing amazing. And when they graduate high school, one is going to seminary in Eretz Yisrael and the other one is Mechal Shabbos and smoking pot and out of, out of school and the parents are like, I don't understand. Rifki and Hani were best friends. They were good. They kept Shabbos. They were beautiful. And Rifki is going to Israel to the best seminary and my daughter is in the streets. I mean, Wallstein, what happened? They were in the same place at the same moment in 10th grade, in 9th grade, in 11th grade, in 12th grade. And now, look at the two of them. And my answer is, one Dafka boy and one Arpa. One walked away. And who came from Rus? David HaMelech, Mashiach. Who came from Arpa? Goliath HaPlishti. Who ended up dead. Nothing. That was the difference. Holding on and letting go. So I told the girls, you might have heard this story. I don't know if I've ever said it here, but I've definitely said it a lot. And it's a very meaningful story about this king who had a beautiful daughter. All kings have beautiful daughters in Jewish stories. And he wanted to get a shidduch. But you know what to do. Because every guy in the kingdom wanted to marry her. Rich, beautiful, going to be a king one day. Why shouldn't they marry her? So he didn't know who to choose. He said, okay. We're going to make a contest. Winner of the contest gets my daughter. Okay. So he built a tower, a thousand steps high, each step very, very wide. And he called all the eligible bachelors together. And he said, here's the deal. Tonight, at sunset, the race begins. It ends at sunrise, exactly at sunrise. First guy to reach the top gets my daughter. She's in the tower on top. If you don't reach the top by sunrise, I don't care if you're on the 999th step, you get nothing. You got to get to the top. Okay, all the guys, they want to get this beautiful princess. All the guys line up. The guy's in shape. The guy's out of shape. Right? They're at the bottom. Sun sets. And they all start running up. And they're all running, except some of these guys are not in good shape. And by the 115th step, they can't breathe anymore. But guys are not going to say, I'm out of shape, I lost the race. That would be very embarrassing. So the guys who couldn't do it anymore started a rumor. And they started a rumor going around, there's no princess in the tower. The whole thing is a bluff. And nobody can make a thousand steps by sunrise. So why is the king doing this? Because when the morning comes and they're all stuck all over the steps, the king and his buddies are going to be sitting at the bottom laughing their heads off at all the fools that thought they could make it to the top. They started this rumor and everyone said, you know what, the guys who couldn't do it, you know what, it's true, she's not up there, I'm going down, I'm not going to be a fool. No one ever said they're not in shape. One hour left to sunrise. How many guys are left? Two guys. That's it. Everyone else is like, nah, this whole thing is not true. There's two guys on the 700 step with an hour left. There's no way they could make 300 steps in an hour. And one guy turns to the other guy and goes, you know what? 
in an hour from now, the sun's going to come up, and the two of us are going to be the only guys on the steps, and the whole nation is going to be sitting on the floor down there laughing. We'll never get a shidduch because we're the two biggest fools in this whole thing. I, I think I can make it to the bottom in an hour. I am running my brains off. I am getting off these steps. You should come with me because you're going to look very silly. He says, but, but we did 700 steps. We worked so hard to get here. You're just going to turn around and just run down? He said, you heard the king. He said, if you don't make it to the top, you're not getting the princess. We are the two guys that are in the best shape in this whole country, and we couldn't make it to the top. The whole thing's a bluff. And this guy looks at his friend. He says, Yanko, listen to me. I know the king. I worked for him for five years. He doesn't have a sense of humor. He is not going to be sitting on the bottom laughing. I haven't seen him laugh once. This is not a joke. He doesn't make jokes. And on top of that, I don't understand it, but if he says we can make it, I worked with him for five years. Ask any person that ever worked for this king. He never lies. One thing about him, if he says something, it's in the bank. He says, listen, you worked for the king, you didn't work for the king. We're not going to make it. I am not going to be left up. He turns around and he starts running down as fast as he could. And this guy, he's the only guy left. And many of us in this room have felt like standing on the stair and being the only one there and being very alone and then trying to grow and trying to get up there and you look around and there's nobody around and you got to do it on your own. And he looks up at the tower. He says, I don't understand it. I know the king, but I I can't make it. Maybe you're just testing us. My job, I have an hour left, is to keep walking. I get to the 800 step. I got to the 800 step. You know what? No one else did. Even if I don't get the princess. It was a good exercise. And I'm the man. I made it the best. I'm going. And he takes the next step. On the 701st step, he steps on it. And there's a trigger. And all of a sudden, the steps open up. Steps open up. Out comes an elevator. On the 701st step. Elevator? Gets in, he's got a bottle of champagne, two candles, a rose, a button says P for princess, he hopes. <laughs> he pushes it, the doors close, goes up the steps, it closes, there's a track, like a train track under the step, and this thing's zipping up, zipping up 300 steps. And he's sitting in there, he's like, I knew it. I didn't know how. Listen carefully, everybody. I didn't know how. This was going to happen. King doesn't lie. And he doesn't have a sense of humor. I didn't know how, but I knew it would happen. Boom. Gets to the top step. Door opens up. As he steps on the top step, and I have seen this in my life so many times. As he steps on the top step, his friend steps off the bottom step at the exact same moment. And he turns to his friend and he screams down. Chayim! Elevator! His friend can't hear. He can't see where he is anymore. He can't hear. He hears his friend saying, Err! Thinking his friend fell off the steps. And he opens the door. And this is, this is a marshal that is given for Shavuos. He opens the door. The most beautiful girl of his dreams standing there. And she says, Thank you so much. He says, thank me so much. 
thank you so much. He goes, no, you don't understand. My father told me that if no one makes it, then there's no one in his kingdom that has a right to marry me. I will be alone for the rest of my life. And there you were, two guys left. I'm watching the whole race. As everyone's running down, I'm like, please, somebody. There's two of you are left. And then I see you talking to your friend. And your friend turns around and he starts running down. I'm like, oh my God, it's just you. And then you start looking up. And like, you're thinking, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she's going to turn around too. And I'm stuck for the rest of my life. I have nothing. And you're here. And you're my husband. And I got to tell you something that you don't know. He says, what, what? says I have a surprise you a surprise he says yeah my father never told anyone about her her he says yes I have a twin sister that's my sister looked exactly like her she's also a princess he runs to the door and he screams to his friend on the bottom who would have been there with him you're not gonna believe it twin sister his friend hears her The Tyra was so scared, says the Majesty, that nobody would take her. Tyra was waiting in this tower for someone to say yes, for someone to climb the mountain. And Hashem went to one, and it says, you should not kill. And they said, we don't want it. We're not going up the stairs. And the next one said, you should not steal. We're not going up the stairs. You should not commit adultery. One by one, they turned around and ran down the steps. There's one guy left. Klai Yisrael. And Hashem said, you want the Torah? You want to know what's in it? Everyone else asked me what's in it. You want to know what's in it? You want to know, like, the laws? And they're like, no. You don't lie, God. What you say is the truth. You're not a comedian. You don't make jokes. And if you call your Torah Kli Chemda, that's what Hashem called it, Kli Chemda, the most beautiful vessel in the world, that's the truth. And we don't know how we're going to get it. We don't know how we're going to get it. We don't know how we're going to be able to keep it. But we know that if you say it's the best thing in the world, it's the best thing in the world. There's an elevator somewhere that's going to get us there. That's Schwarz. We climbed 49 steps. We won the 49th level of Tumah. We climbed 49 steps, and for every step we stepped out of the Tumah, Hashem gave us a step of Kedusha. We walked the tower. 49 levels. We climbed 49 levels from the lowest place in the world. And it was a struggle. And sometimes we had our doubts. We want to go back to Mitzrayim. And we want the mun. And a lot of stuff. And why did you take us to the Midwood to, to, to die? And we stopped on the steps. Many times we stopped on the steps and said, we can't do this, we can't do this. But in the end, we knew who the king was. And we came to Hasinai. And Kosh gave us the Torah and we got the princess. Nobody else did. So what's the difference between Rus and Arpa, everybody? Rus said, your God is my God. Your nation is my nation. 
Dafka boy. I don't know how I'm going to be treated because I want to be a ger, and there was a whole argument of Moavi below Moavis, and we didn't treat her right until Boaz came along. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But she said, will you die, I die. Will you live, I live. Your nation's my nation. Your God is my God. I believe in this. I'm not turning around on the steps. I have no doubt. I know that Judaism is correct. And it's going to, it was a struggle. It was a crazy struggle for her. They threw her over the fence, it says in the Medrash. When she came to collect Leket, they said, you're a guy. Get out of here. You're stealing from Jewish girls. And they threw her off. When Boaz came, you look at Miguel's list, he says, I'll make sure the boys don't touch you. So everybody asked, what do you mean? These are yeshiva boys. What do you mean? Why would they touch her? Because when he came, he found out they threw her over the fence. Dovinamel's grandmother got thrown over the fence. Imagine after 120 years, they came up to Shemayim. They're like, you know, you threw Dovinamel's grandmother over the fence. Because they made judgments. It's a whole different share. It's not for tonight. They made judgment from what they saw. And then she made a statement. We'll end with this statement. This is what I, told, I spoke to the girls about this today. She made a very ridiculous statement. And this is really for everyone in this room that's a parent and that's going to be a parent in Mitzvah Shem. So there was, a, there was a, a, an amazing discussion between her and Boaz. Boaz called her, called her a um, BT. I talk about this all the time. He came from Beis Lechem, right? And the first time that he saw her, I heard about you, my daughter. She was a, she was a guy at that time. And he was Rav Chaim Kayanevsky. Why would you talk to her? And why would you give her any... Why would you call her Biti? But that's who Boaz... That's the great-grandfather of Mashiach. That, that's who Boaz was. He treated everyone like they were his daughter. Okay, anyway. So he said, don't go to any other field. Come here. But she fell on her face. And she said, Why, why do you like me? Like, why are you even talking to me? What does it mean to find favor in someone's eyes? Listen to what she said. This is like so important. What does it mean you find favor in someone's eyes? You know what she said to him? Why do I find favor in eyes? Lahakireni, that you gave me recognition. The greatest thing that a human being can give another human being is to give them recognition. The worst thing you could do to another person is to make believe they don't exist, to ignore someone, to make believe they don't exist. The one kid that I could never discipline, he was in my class. His name was Howie. He can tell you the story. I could not break this kid. He was the most, he was, he was a, he destroyed my class. And no matter what punishment I gave him, he didn't care. And one day I made, I said, you know what? I got one thing left. He sat down in front of me. He said, Rebbe, I may believe he didn't he play basketball. He said, give me the ball. I, I, made, I, I made him crazy for two days. He didn't exist. He'd walk in front of me. I just keep teaching. I ignored him for two days. He came over to me. I'll never forget. Today, he, we're the closest of all the, te- in 40 years, the only kids I ever taught. He's my son. He's Mamish, my son. He lost both his parents. He's my son. And after two days, he said, stop ignoring me. I promise I will be the best kid in your class. And he was. He could not handle no recognition. That I don't exist. Could not handle I don't exist. So she said to him, right, what is the greatest chesed you could do for me that I find favor in your eyes? And I gave this speech and they opened up an organization called Haki Rainy in Baltimore. I, want, I wanted to, but I gave a speech and they hopped it. Okay, anyway. Right, okay. Now, she said, I'm a guy. Why, Rabbi? Like, what? Like, why are you calling me your daughter? I'm a guy. Okay, so he told her that I focused on your pain. I focused that you left your nation and your, your kingdom to come here and the Jews don't like you and they don't want you and I'm focusing on your pain. So this is what she says. 
I found favor in your eyes. You comforted me, Rabbi. So that means that she wasn't pain because she used the word Nechama. You comforted me. You didn't talk to my brain. You didn't give me a whole speech. I got some ice. I got some speech. I got your pilpul shit. No. You talked to my heart. You spoke to my heart. You called me your daughter. You didn't give me no brainiac discussion. You talked to my heart, said Rus. And here's the big statement. Rabbi, I want to tell you something. You cared about me. You called me your daughter. You treated me. You recognized me. Let me tell you what that does to a person. I am not, she made a statement here, I am not going to be a regular girl. Rabbi, I'm going to be your superstar. I'm not going to be like any of the other girls here. I'm going to be a superstar. Because you believe in me. And if you believe in me, I'm talking to the parents in this room, if the kid knows that you believe in them, that's when they believe in them. And when a person believes in themselves, they're going to be a superstar. She said, I am not going to be, that's a big statement, I am not going to be like a regular girl. She's a guy still. And she's telling the grand rabbi of Kla Yisrael that I'm going to be a superstar. You're a Moavi. Come on. You're a Moavi. Now, I'm going to be, you know what she was called in the Navi? Aim Hamalchus. Rus from Moab, from incest, from being a guy, from the worst place in the world, became the mother of Malchus of Klaistral. Aim Hamalchus. That's her name. Number one, not Sarimeno, not Rivka, not Rachel, not Leah. They're called the Imahos. She's called Aim HaMalchus. She's the mother of kingdom, of royalty. Who's the mother of royalty? Rus HaMaovia. It's the mother of royalty. Why do we read Rus to tell us that any person in this world has the potential to come from the worst place in the world and end up becoming the mother of Mashiach, of Aim HaMalchus. And where did that come from? Knowing that there's some man that called me his daughter. That gave me recognition. If our kids know that we believe in them, they will be superstars. I'm not saying I'm a superstar. But whatever I am, it's because my parents believed in me. I had some really tough times in school. But my father and my mother always said to me, school is school. Life is life. We dive in to have these, the three children that we have. You guys are the best thing that ever happened to me. He said that to me all the time, my father. Not money, not cars, not planes, not houses, not nothing. My children are the best thing that ever happened to me. When you grow up, and when I got, when I did trouble, I got schlecked, man. Don't, don't think I didn't get, I got whacked. I got punished. I got, I got, he was, he was a U.S. Uh, Air Force 112th Division, the toughest guys in the Korean War. But there was no such word as I can't in my house. No such word. You don't say I can't. In the Marines, you say I can't, you're locked up. There's no such I can't. I don't want to. Maybe I can't. No such words I can't. I knew when I grew up, but to my parents, right, bad or good, that was the most precious thing they had. It's a life changer. I will not be like everyone else. You believe in me, I will live up to what you believe in. That's worse. That's what you have to read on Shavuos. 
because some of us don't are not such big tamir chachamim. Some of us are struggling with sneers, and some of us are struggling with Yiddishkeit, and some of us are struggling. And Hashem says, "Good, it's fine. I got a little elevator in every person's life. Every person has an elevator. You just got to take the next step." After 120 years, they show you that just when you would hit the elevator, you walked out. You stepped off. You were just there. Take the 700 step. If Hashem tells you, you can do it, and this is what you're supposed to do, and you can do it, He's not a comedian. He's not making a joke, and He's MS. Whatever He says is MS. And that's your focus. As you walk and as you step on, you said I could do it. You gave me life, because if you wake up in the morning, that means you can do it. If you can't do it, you're not waking up in the morning. God is not giving you life if he knows you can't do it. That's, that's, that's torture. He would never do that. When you wake up in the morning, he says, you could do it. I'm giving you the battery. You could go. You got to go. And that was the difference. That's the whole Rus, everybody. The difference between Arpa and Rus. One stepped up, one stepped out. One knew who Hashem was. Your God is my God. And the other one did not know who Hashem was. And therefore, it's very important for our children to know what Kodesh Baruch Hu is. And that's something that parents have to put into them. You have to show them his Bria, his creations. Take him to the zoo. Take him to a flower store. Take him to a fruit store. Show them what Kodesh Baruch Hu did for us. That you're able to see colors. Show that to them when they're young. That you don't take, you don't take for granted anything. That is, that's the Yantiv. The Yantiv, by the way, is not a Tyrodic Yantiv. It doesn't have a mitzvah. It doesn't have sit in a sukkah. It doesn't have eat matzah. It doesn't have read the Megillah. It doesn't have that. It's a regular yontif. It's a yontif where you eat cheesecake. That's what you do. You eat cheesecake. Yes, you're supposed to stay up all night. But you're not supposed to stay up all night. Because of what we did, we made a mistake that we went to sleep. The yontif in, in, in the Torah doesn't tell you to stay up all night. In the Torah, it's a, it's a yontif of food and eating. Why? Why is it a yontif of food and eating? Because the Kosh said, I put you into this world... And I gave you food. You could connect the Torah to the food. You can make a bracha, rishon, a bracha, right now. All the different halachas in food, what basar, v'cholav, and Shabbos, and all these different things. He gave us the most beautiful thing in the world. And Rus understood that, and she made a promise that she's going to be different than anybody else. And the kid that you give that love to, I'm telling you, you sh- I see it with all the kids that I teach. The ones that know that their parents believe in them, that somebody believes, it doesn't have to be a parent, it could be a Rebbe, somebody in this world believes in them, they're going to make it. Closing line. My closing line is as follows. Yosef HaTzadik was stuck in the worst place in the world with the most beautiful woman. The Chidot says, there was never created in the world, even Chava wasn't as beautiful as the wife of Potiphar. There was no more beautiful man ever created Rabbi Yishmael Kohen Gadol, who looked, who came from Yosef, who looked like Yosef Tzadik, Gemara says, looked like the Shekhinah. We don't even understand that. Their beauty was the two of them, Potiphar's wife and Yosef, and she was sick, she couldn't eat because she couldn't get Yosef, and her friends were making fun of her. What? Jewish guy. She said, okay, she gave them Esraigim with a knife, and they put him in the middle, and they were so enamored by his looks that they cut the tops of their fingers off. The Medrash says the blood was running on the women's fingers. They never saw a man that looked like that. And Potiphar's wife was, the Chidot says, the Satan, it was the Satan, she was so beautiful. And the two of them were together, and his brother sold them. All the excuses that guys have to go off the derech. Nobody ever had the excuse that their brother sold them to Mitzrayim. My Rebbe looked at me the wrong way, my mother was too strict. But nobody said, you know what, I'm off the derech. 
They they put me. They they they, they took all my clothing off, threw me into an empty pit. Snakes and scorpions to bite me. I made it out, and then they sold me to Mitzrayim. And then who bought me Potiphar? Because he bought him actually. Rashi says to be his boy because he was gay. That's where that's where Yosef ended up. The tzaddik of the tzaddikim bought by a guy to be gay. Do you understand how he? How we, so he had an excuse to say, "Listen, Hashem, <laughs> Jewish guys are not really you know didn't treat me really well. I'm out here in Mitzrayim. Everybody gave up on me. I'm going to do an avera." And he almost did. And the Pasuk says, Vayema'en Yosef. He refused her. And on the Vayema'en, the Chazin stops in Shul. It's like a siren. There's a Shalshelas. Shalshelas, you know, right? Is Vayema'en. means like he really refused her. Not Vayema'en, but Vayema'en. He really refused her. Where did he get the strength from? At that moment, far away, no yeshiva, no rabbi, no no one's going to catch him. He had a right to be angry. How did he refuse her? And, just to end this, I know it's very late, but just to end this, she was so brilliant that when she asked him, why aren't you being with me? He said, two reasons, you're a guy. You're not Jewish. Number two, you're married. I'm not going to be with a married woman. She said, really? I learned your whole Torah. She was brilliant. She was a sorcerer. She said, it says, it says by you that by non-Jews, the consummation of a marriage is the husband and wife being physically together. They don't have a, a goal. They don't have kesef and shtar. They only have bia. And you know my husband's gay. So he was never with me. So therefore, I'm not married. Show it to, to, to Yosef. Halakhically, I'm not married according to your halacha. So that goes out the door. That's why when someone bothers you, never give them reasons. She said, come outside. She took him outside. She showed him the stars. And he was a stargazer also. She showed him in the stars that coming from her and him were coming two big tzaddikim, Ephraim and Menashe. And he looks at the stars and kachoya. The stars show that Ephraim and Menashe are coming from her. It really was from Asnas, which was her daughter, but it's coming from her, right? So he was blown away. He's stuck. You don't give a reason to someone who wants to make you do an Avera. But he gave her two reasons. She blew them both out. So then he said, I'm still not going to be with you. She said, blah, blah, blah. I answered both your questions. And he said, how could I do that to your husband who hired me, who feeds me, who pays me with my Akar Satayf? So what saved him, everybody, was Akar Satayf. And that came from Yaakov Avinu. But anyway, so Shal Sheles is a, another word in Ivrit for a chain. On the Vayema'en is a chain. Where does that chain hook up to? So in the parsha we look for another Vayema'en. There's one other Vayema'en in the parsha. It says, Vayema'en Yaakov lehisnachim. They brought the whole family after Yosef was missing and they came to be Menachem Avol, Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu said, what do you think you're doing? They said, listen, you lost one son, but look how many of us, there's another bunch of us. Yaakov said, you didn't bring me a body. You brought me a coat. I refuse to be comforted. Why? Because he knew there was something wrong. If someone dies, Hashem helps you that the memory begins to fade. Yosef's memory wasn't fading. So he knew that Yosef was alive. Deep down in his heart, the pain should have been fading and it wasn't. So He said, I put so much into this kid. Yosef is going to destroy Esau. He's the fire. I'm not giving up on him. Bring me a body. They couldn't bring him a body. He was alive. But Yemoy Yosef. Yosef refused to give up on himself because he knew 
his father. And he knew that until they bring my body to my father, I don't know what my brothers are telling him, my father Yaakov will never ever give up on me. And if he will never give up on me, I can never give up on myself. And he ran. That's what saved his life. That was Dikuno Shalaviv. That the Yemoin Yaakov gave him the Koyach for the Yemoin Yosef. If our children know, no matter what, off the derech, not doing this, not whatever they're doing, they know in the end that my parents, I'm bad, I'm doing what I'm not supposed to, but the bottom line is my parents and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, my father of all fathers, will never ever give up on me, then they will never give up on themselves. The kids that never give up on themselves, and sometimes very tragic, is because they think the whole world gave up on them. And when someone thinks there's no one there for them, is when they give up. Ruth said, I know that you're there for me. And you comforted me. Not only won't I give up, even though they threw me over the fence, I will be special and I will become Eim HaMalchus. May we all be Zaycha, Bekarayv Mamish, in the schus of Rus, the Eim HaMalchus, who we're going to celebrate on, because David Melch was also born on Shavuos, we're going to celebrate on Shavuos. May we all be Zaycha, to see the Eim HaMalchus once again with her grandson David HaMelech and with her great-great-great-grandson Mashiach Ben David. Thank you for coming. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com